we're back, we're back, welcome back everybody. How everybody doing out there? How's the temperature out there? We're still protesting all throughout the country. I love to see it. We're gonna start up in a few. We got some really good topics. We got some really good topics today, guys. We got some really good topics today. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 128 to the Isaiah Kid Podcast. I'm your humble and gracious host, Isaiah Kid. I am back. I am back. I am back. I am back. We got some interesting topics. We got some interesting topics to get into today. Uh, I got some NFL topics. I got some NBA topics. I am ready. I am locked and loaded. MLB. I feel sorry for you. Got for you like diehard. I'm not a diehard baseball fan. I'm not a diehard MLB guy. But uh, I was looking. I, I'm look. I, I look forward to watching some baseball here and there. But I feel bad for the diehard baseball fans that are out there and that are are out there and it seems like the owners and the players association can't get on one accord. So I feel bad for the die, like the really diehard baseball lovers that look forward to this time of year because it seems like they can't get to an agreement. They can't get to an agreement. And a couple weeks ago, I was like, uh, baseball figured out. They'd come back. America needs baseball at this time, especially at this juncture. But, uh, you know, the players feel like they're being bullied by the owners. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a big mess. But speaking of players and owners, speaking of that, so this Colin Kaepernick. So with, with, with this whole, it's, this is definitely a revolution in America. This is definitely a revolution in America that we're watching. And it's it's happening not just in America, but worldwide. It's happening worldwide. Like, you know, I knew this thing was really big and really important, especially as a black man. I knew how important this was, and how much of a problem this was, especially in our country. But uh, all around the world, this is a big thing. This, is, this has been, this, this, this has been the, like, you got to be able to read the room. And it's been certain people, certain celebrities that have came out and have made such comments and they're getting backlash. And most of it, rightfully so. Because you got to be able to read the room. You got to be able to read the room. Even with the musicians. You see you see a lot of rappers, uh, a lot of artists putting out these, you know, these last few, the last few, the last week or so. You see a lot of artists putting out meaningful music. Music that is that that relates to the time going on. Music about racism and corrupt corruption in the world. Like even certain rappers are reading the room. And with this Colin Kaepernick thing, four years ago when he first took his protest and his kneel with for the national anthem and. He took a kneel. wasn't He wasn't disrespect. And first, by you know, I want to first come on and say, hey, I stand with Kaepernick's protest. It was peacefully done. It was it, it was not violent. It didn't harm anybody. And then for those people that say, oh well, he was uh, he was disrespecting the flag. First, it's such a selfish 
And, uh, and like with Drew Brees, for example, Drew Brees, quote, his statement. You know, I, I talked about Drew Brees earlier this week, but with his statement that he made, it, it was a very first. It was tone deaf. Most most importantly, it was a tone deaf statement that he made. But also, when you make that argument, like, oh, he's disrespecting the soldiers. My grandparents, my great grandparents fought in the war. When you make an argument and a statement such as that, it's very selfish because there's a lot of black people in America. Black, there's a lot of black people in America who ancestors fought in those wars alongside your grandparents. And, and actually, when they came back to the country, they weren't received as heroes. They were still second class, treated as below, beneath. So it's such a selfish argument when people say, oh, my grandparents fought in the war. My great-grandparents fought in the war. It's such a selfish argument and statement to make, you know, in concerns to Kaepernick. So I st- so first I stand with Kaepernick's you know stand with protesting and kneeling for the anthem due to police brutality br- brutality and how police and especially towards the black community the African American community the African American community sorry so I definitely stand with his I, I definitely stand with him on that but let's talk about football because. Again, earlier this week, I, I addressed Roger Goodell's point, you know, when the NFL came out and said, hey, Black Lives Matter, and Roger Goodell, Roger Goodell put out a video and said, hey, Black Lives Matter, we were, we were certainly wrong. Well, after that, players have reacted around the league, and players are saying, well, if the NFL really wants to move in a new direction, they have to bring on, or let's first bring on Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick... Okay. Now, as a football, because now we're talking about football. We're not talking about off the field. We're not talking about. We're not talking about off the field, on the field. We're not. We're, I mean, we're not talking about off the field issues. Or he, he he didn't have any issues off the field. He just took he just took a peaceful protest. That's all. That's it. That that it was nothing much to it. But let's talk about on the field. Let's talk about football. Okay. Let's get to the sports aspect. Of Colin Kaepernick before he became this iconic uh, activist symbol and figure. Let's let's take that. Away. I know it's kind of hard and it's such a big distraction, distraction and smoke and mirrors. But let's focus on the football aspect. Colin Kaepernick hasn't played a he hasn't taken a pro snap in four years. Now I've heard I've heard a lot of analysts, a lot of media. Compare it to, or his, if he was to come back, I've heard a lot of media and analysts compare it to Michael Vick. First, Colin Kaepernick, no disrespect to him, but he was never as good of a quarterback as Michael Vick was. Michael Vick missed first. Michael Vick missed two years. The first year that Michael Vick came back, he couldn't beat out Kevin Cobb. Remember that? Michael Vick came back the first time, went back to Philly. Uh, well, then he didn't go back to Philly, but he went to Philly. Kevin Cobb was the quarterback for the Eagles, and he couldn't beat out Kevin Cobb the first time, his first year. His second year, he had a breakout year. Kevin Cobb gets hurt. Michael Vick steps in. Michael Vick, uh, he, he carries the Eagles to an NFC uh, division crown. They won the division that year. Michael Vick had a really good year that year. He, he, I think he won, like, comeback player of the year. He was really good. But his first year in Philadelphia, he couldn't beat out Kevin Cobb. Now, 
Kaepernick, I know, like I said, I stand with him. But he's missed four years of professional football. Two and a half years ago, well, when he went, well, not two and a half years, but for two and a half years, he lost his, he, he was a starter for two and a half years. He yes, I know he got to a he got to a couple NFC Championship games. He got to a Super Bowl, but he's never been a Pro Bowler. He's never been an All Pro. He, he he's never been none of those things. And then he lost his job to Blaine Gabbard. I mean, no disrespect to Blaine Gabbard, but Blaine Gabbard is not good. He's not a starting quarterback in this league. And, you know, I've heard, like I said, I've heard the comparisons of Mike Vick coming back. It's just like Michael Vick coming back. No, it is not. No, it is not. Colin Kaepernick, at best, was an average quarterback with a great supporting cast. Now, his play style, you know, with the way the league is going, his play style fits. Certainly. His play style fits. Mobile quarterback, strong arm, you know, you know. It fits because a lot of the, lot of the top lot of the top quarterbacks in this league, your Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Carson Wentz, uh, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, they can move. They're mobile. Aaron Rodgers, they can move. They mobile. They got strong arms. So he certainly fits, but he hasn't played in four years, and it wasn't like he was uh, he was an elite quarterback. I mean, Colin has some good. Yeah, Colin Kaepernick has some great moments. He had some great moments. Certainly. He had some great playoff moments. He got the 49ers to the Super Bowl. But let's be honest, the 49ers had a great supporting cast around him. He had a great O-line. He had a great D-line. He had a great defense. Jim Harbaugh, he's not a bad coach either. So with Colin Kaepernick, who is never a pro bowler, never an all-pro, I'm not saying he does not deserve a job in the league. But a starting quarterback job? I don't know. He's 33. Mike Vick was not that old when he came back. Michael Vick was not 30. He wasn't. Michael Vick wasn't in his almost in his mid-30s when he came back. Colin Kaepernick is now, what, 33, 32? So you're talking about a, a quarterback in his 30s who was never elite. Has some great moments. Don't get me. Don't get me wrong. Has some great moments in the playoffs, in the regular. Great moments. Got to the Super Bowl. Great. All good and gravy. But you're telling me a quarterback who never was an elite guy. Like he was never like an elite quarterback. He, he you know, he never made a Pro Bowl. Never made a. a, a never was an All Pro. You're telling me he can just, he missed four years? You're telling me he can just jump back into the league as a starter? Mm, no. I, no, I don't think so. And so we're talking about a backup job. I think, I think now, and you can say recency bias, you can say what you want, but I think now we are in the golden age of quarterbacks. I think now we are in the golden age of quarterbacks. Just like a couple years ago, like a few years in NBA, a few years ago in the NBA, there was there was um, there was so many good point guards in the NBA, like all star level point guards in the NBA a few years back. 
When you had like Derrick Rose in his prime and Rondo in his prime and Steve Nash still in the league and Curry and, and Westbrook, you had all these so many so many dynamic point guards. I feel like in in the NFL we are in the golden age of quarterbacks and we might be entering the golden age of receivers because there's so many good receivers and now with the quarterbacks there's so many young and good quarterbacks. Like, there's so many young quarterbacks. Like, I can start at the top with Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and, and Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz, Kyla Murray, not to mention the older guys, uh, Tom Brady, who was still pretty good, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees. I, there's so many. I think we are certainly in the golden age of quarterbacks. Now, like, the, like the, these young quarterbacks, like Patrick Mahomes, uh, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, these guys grew Carson Wentz. They grew up with these with these football camps because now you like th- these younger quarterbacks. They have so many more reps, like Brady and Peyton Manning and Joe Montana. Like none of those guys had the, the they didn't have uh training. They didn't have these type of advanced training in in summer camps that these young quarterbacks go to now. Mahomes, uh, Kyler Murray, Baker, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, they don't, they, 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 these guys have been playing quarterback for a long time. They've been, or they've, or they've been multi-sport type of guys for a long time. Mahomes and Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, they all three played baseball. Really good baseball players. James Winston played some baseball. But, these younger quarterbacks in the league, these these younger quarterbacks in the league have so many advanced training camps that they go, that they went to during high school, entering into college. They have so many reps underneath their belt. So I don't know. I, you and then you think about okay, who are the teams that Kaepernick can go to? Who are the teams that Kaepernick fits? If you're because. Because I, I see, so some teams, like, I, I've heard Baltimore, I've heard Seattle, but I'm looking at teams like Baltimore and Seattle, and I'm like, well, Baltimore is definitely, it, it, Baltimore is a lot of people's Super Bowl favorites. Uh, Baltimore is definitely a Super Bowl contender in my eyes. I think just about everybody, like, Baltimore probably has the best team on paper in, in the league. Seattle is a Super Bowl contender. Do Super Bowl contenders really want, like, do they want all that baggage? Usually, it just I mean, I'm just telling you how this league works, how the NFL works. So, I mean, teams that are aiming, that teams that have their eyes set on a Super Bowl and teams that are, like, ready to win a Super Bowl this year, they really don't, they really don't want a backup quarterback or let me not say that they don't want a celebrity backup quarterback and that's all I've been said about Cam Newton Cam Newton I mean yeah I I think he could be a starter and I think he is going to be a starter you know some point in time Cam Newton will be a starter on somebody's roster but if you're a team that is thriving and aiming for a Super Bowl like I'm not talking about every 30, like all 32 teams. Like, I'm, no, I'm talking about the teams that are, leg- that are legitimately Super Bowl contenders. They don't want a celebrity backup quarterback. 
Because most likely they have young quarterbacks or a quarterback that's already a star. You know, Seattle, they got Russell Wilson. He's already he's already a big enough star. He is the Seahawks. But Baltimore, they have a young quarterback with some great pieces around him. Baltimore really doesn't need a celebrity quarterback. They have Robert Griffin III. So, like, when, you look, when you're trying to find teams that Kaepernick fits and where he fits, eh, I mean, I like Kaepernick. I think, I think he can be a backup in this league. And he, might, and he may be able to start for a bad team, but for a team that's aiming for a Super Bowl to have their, set, their sights set on a Super Bowl run, they don't want a celebrity backup quarterback. It's as simple as that. They don't want a celebrity backup quarterback. But I do think I do think Kaepernick. I think you know if 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 teams are willing to stick their neck out there, I think he can make a roster. But just think about it. Kaepernick never been an never been an elite quarterback. He's never been at that elite stage. He's never been at that elite stage. He's never made a Pro Bowl. He's never been an All Pro. So, so. You're telling me in his mid-30s, mid-30s, haven't played football in four, haven't played pro football in four years. You're telling me all of a sudden he can come back and like fall back in place to like being a starter? I don't know. Because Michael Vick missed two years, and it took Michael Vick a year just to get back in rhythm. Michael Vick, his first year in Philadelphia, couldn't beat out Kevin Cobb. So I don't know. But I'll be right back after this quick break, after this short uh, ad really quickly. Um, I'm going to discuss Dalvin Cook and his contract situation. Uh, I'm going to tell you what I think think about that um, and his future. I got a Ford Mustang. It drives well. Got it for graduation, actually. Ford's unique family heritage, manufacturing excellence, and history of innovation is continuing to further the brand. Ford is also introducing new customer service actions aimed at making vehicle ownership easier and hassle-free. So go get your Ford today. Ford, go forward. Okay, so we now have another running back, Dalvin Cook, who's going to sit out or he's Intending to sit out until he gets an extension or, you know, the Vikings and him start working on a deal. And let me just say this. I like Dalvin Cook. I think he's a phenomenal talent. Uh, I think he was a lifesaver. I thought he was the ultimate X factor for the Vikings last year. Not the defense, not not Kirk Cousins, not the two great receivers that uh, that they had in Stephon Diggs um, and Adam Thielen that they still have. Not I thought Dalvin Cook was the X factor because whenever he played, whenever he touched the ball, whenever he was productive, the Vikings offensively was a much better team. Kirk Cousins was a much was a much better player and quarterback. Now Dalvin Cook. He, he played 13 games last year. He had about 1,600 yards with 14 touchdowns. The kid can play. He's a great running back. He, he can do just about everything. He can catch out the backfield. He can run it. He can run it between the tackles. He can go a little east-west. He does it all. 
Now he has he, he did have a shoulder a shoulder um injury in high school that I think me personally I think still lingers him because I still see him wear the arm like the the shoulder brace uh still to this day I still I mean well you know throughout the season he still wore that so you know he hurt his knee didn't didn't get have too many injuries at Florida State was really good at Florida State didn't have too many injuries at Florida State but Minnesota his first three years. He has never played 16 games, and he's, he had a knee injury. He had a torn ACL. But it seems like he's trending in the right direction. Now, with Dalvin Cook, I just said all of that. He's an X-factor. When he's productive, he, when he's productive, the Vikings were better. Now, the problem here with, with Dalvin Cook is his backup. His backup, Alexander Madison, averages 4.6 yards per carry. And Dalvin Cook averages 4.5 yards per curve. Similar to the Melvin Gordon situation with the Chargers, Austin Eckler, <laughs> he was a great backup. Austin Eckler was a great backup. And that is why the Chargers moved off of Melvin Gordon. Because nowadays, GMs don't give out second contracts. They don't give out second contracts to their players. To, to, well, no, I mean, I said they don't give out second contracts to running backs. GMs don't give out second contracts to their running backs. Running backs, I, I would advise the high school kids that are out there, the high school athletes that are listening, that are out there. You know, you play running back. I don't know. Because, like, I, I look at all of the great high school football states. Texas, Florida, California. I see more and more receivers and quarterbacks. I'm starting to see less and less highly recruited running backs in, in those great high school football states. Because high school football is great in California, great in Texas, good at, it's really good in the DMV area, um, great in Florida. And I'm starting to see more and more receivers and more and more quarterbacks. And I talked about I talked about this. Sometimes a little bit on this podcast on, on this on, on this podcast about how the receiver and the quarterback position they get paid the big bucks. They score the touchdowns. They land the endorsement dollars. And GMs pay them, give them second contracts. And with this situation with Dalvin Cook and with Melvin Gordon's situation, you can't pay big time money. To a player where there's no gap in production or talent or performance. We like, because if, I mean, just, just put yourself in, in. Somebody asked me about this about what do you, how do you feel about Dalvin Cook and should he get a, a, should he get extended? I think he's a great talent. I think Melvin Gordon is a great talent. But as a GM, as an owner, Put your shoe, put your put yourself in their shoes. Put yourself in the GM position. And you're looking at a, a running back, you're looking at a guy like Dalvin Cook, who first never played 16 games. At least with Zeke, he played 16 games. Don't get hurt. He only misses games when he has judicial issues. But it seems like Zeke is maturing a little bit. But with Dalvin Cook, never played 13 games. 
Okay, that's that, that 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 that's the starter right there. It's been three years. Never played thirteen games. Even his breakout year, where he had a great year last year, he only played thirteen games. Missed three. He only played thirteen games. Secondly, what have you done for me lately? The last time we saw Dalvin Cook, he had nine rushes for eighteen yards against the 49ers. Yeah, I know. I might give him a little leeway because it was the 49ers front seven, and the 49ers front seven did that just about to everybody they played last year. So I'm not going to hold that against them. But what I am, I think the big, the big factor right here is Alexander Madison averages more yards per carry. And if you actually think about it, the last three years, if you look at it, if you dig deeper into Dalvin Cook's stats, you will see the last three years, or his first three years, as time and time and time, his rookie year was his highest year where he had the most yards per carry. But as time gone on, his yards per carry has gone down. So when you're looking at Alexander Madison, who is his backup, with 4.6 yards per carry, if you're the owner of the GM, you're like, well... I mean, Dalvin Cook, you're a phenomenal player, but I think our low, I think our O line is like, I think that's that's our saving grace. That's how you're thinking. That's how you're thinking. If you're a GM, you know it's a hard cap league. <laughs> you're paying Kirk Cousins. You're paying. You gotta. You 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 missed out on um on Daniel Hunter. You you know you gotta pay all these other guys on defense. So you're paying, you're paying players. You're paying players. Do you, do, do you give a, a do you give a second the first in the NFL with a running back position isn't that valued? Do you give a second contract to that to that position? Secondly, a guy like Dalvin Cook who hasn't played 13 games in his backup. Averages more yards per carry. So there's no drop-off. Once once Dalvin Cook is out of... There's no drop-off in production or performance. There's no drop-off. So that's, that's what I'm getting to. That's what I'm getting to. And, you know, you, you got to put yourself in some of these GM shoes. And... We, and I was I was having this I was having this discussion with my one of my friends uh, a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about the most important positions to build around in the NFL, because I feel like the more and more you analyze this thing with the NFL and how and how these teams are successful, you get your star quarterback, you get people to protect him, you get him the best possible weapons. And you get somebody that can that can rush the the opposing team's quarterback. And I was having, this, and we I think I think we got into this discussion with Jamal Adams because we were talking about Jamal Adams and how much would you pay for Jamal Adams? And I'm like, oh well, it's kind of hard to build a defense around a safety. So usually, I always say if if you if you're gonna start an NFL team, if you're building an NFL team. I'm going to build it from the inside and out. The inside and out. Now, I think receivers, because usually people didn't overpay for receivers. 
But now the game has changed. The rules are more pro-offense. We want to see more scoring. There's so many great quarterbacks and so much offensive innovation. Receivers are a little bit more important. It's fine if you have to pay a guy like Odell Beckham or or, or Michael Thomas or DeAndre Hopkins. Because it doesn't hurt. It, it It does not hurt to have those type of guys on outside. But I'm always gonna build. I'm the first player. I'm always gonna. I'm gonna build. I'm gonna get my my star quarterback. I'm gonna draft the pass rusher. Then I go left tackle. Then I might go defensive back, and I would, and that's what that's where my conflict was, because I feel like with the game, with the game style, with the play style of most teams in the league, it's very pass centric. And a lot of teams like to throw the ball. So I would invest in a corner, a lockdown corner. And then that's where I would go, defensive tackle. And then that's where I would have receiver. And then so forth. I I feel like tight ends. In the 80s, tight ends were only in the game really to block. There was only a few tight ends in the league that were like, that like they were like legitimate receivers. You're talking about Kellen Winslow, but now there's so many good tight ends in the league. <laughs> Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. There's, I mean, Eric Ebron. He gets he puts up big numbers in Indianapolis. There's so many good tight ends in in, in the league now. So many good young tight ends. Tight ends are much more important. They do more. They block. They they, they can they can catch. <laughs> They're athletic. They're hard to guard. Like you put a safety on them, they're too small. You put a linebacker on them, they're too slow. So with the running back position, uh, do you give us like GMs are very hesitant. Owners and GMs are very hesitant to hand out second contracts to running backs. Guy, especially guys like Melvin Gordon, De- De- Dalvin Cook, and I think Dalvin Cook is a spectacular talent. I think he's a spectacular talent, and I think his impact on the Vikings um, it's 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 really significant. I know I said that earlier, but it, I think it was I think it was significant. But if you look at an example like the Chargers and Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler was Melvin Gordon's backup, and Austin Eckler had ninety catches on the year last year. So you're like, oh, I mean, Melvin Gordon, you're a great running back. You're a great talent. But I think our, I think our system outweighs your talent. I mean, because there's no gap. There's no disparity in the backups. Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison. There's no, there's no, there's, there's no disparity and no gap in production as far as the, as far as the backups. So... Dalvin Cook, I don't know. I feel like his leverage, I don't think his leverage is as strong as he thinks it is. And I would just encourage players when they get into these, when like when they're on their rookie deal and they're, you know, they're looking for an extension, like when they're towards the end of the rookie deal and they're looking, you know, towards an extension, I would just say put yourself in the shoes of your GM and your owner. 
and I would say, just just weigh out the odds and see how much leverage you really have. So, you know, let's move on to the next. I said I got a couple NBA topics. I said I got an NBA topic. I'm going to get to that. I'm going to close out this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to get the Baker Mayfield really quickly. And then I dive in deep into my um I dive in into my NBA topic that I have. So, you know, Pro Football Focus been coming out with these arrayless. Bleach Report came out with a list. And I found this very interesting. Bleach Report rank this Bleach Report. Bleach Report ranked the Browns supporting Cass second in the league. Behind the Kansas City Chiefs offensively. So the Bleach Report is saying Baker Mayfield has the second best supporting cast in the entire league. Which is about which is about right. I mean the Browns have two of everything. The Browns have two good running backs. They got two good tight ends. They got two really good receivers. I think second in the league, it's not bad. But Pro Football Focus also ranked Nick Chubb as the most elusive running back. Nick Chubb, Pro Football, Pro Football Focus, PFF, ranked Nick Chubb as the most elusive running back in the league. But the Browns, the Browns over and under is eight and a half. The Browns over and under is at eight and a half. Why is that? Why? So because and, and this is this is all I'm saying about Baker. And this is what I'm do for some of these NBA players that I'm that I'm going to talk about next. When you think about it, I know because some people say, "Oh, you 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 be hating on Baker, or oh, you don't like Baker." It's not that I don't like him. I don't I don't have a I don't have a I don't have, I don't like dislike any of these guys because me personally, I don't know none of these guys. Obviously, I don't, I don't know none of these guys. But I'm just giving you my opinion on what I see on the eye test. First, to like with Baker, there's a mature. I, I talked about it. I, well, I always have told people. There's a there's a maturity issue with Baker. Hugh Jackson came out and said, "Hey, I never had a player like Baker. I never had a player that attacked me like Baker Mayfield did." So you know the Browns the Browns management for the entire for, you know since they drafted Baker, they fired Hugh Jackson. They didn't bring Greg Williams back, so they brought in Freddie Kitchens. Fired Freddie Kitchens. So now this is Baker's fourth coach in three years. This is his fourth coach in three years. If Baker underperforms, if he underperforms, and when I mean by underperforms, I mean if the Browns have a 7-9 and nine season, a 6-10 and ten season, boy, oh boy, it is really hard for me. I, it's really hard for me to see 
the Browns ownership firing Kevin Stefanski if the Browns go six and ten or seven and nine. Which I don't think they will. I don't think the Browns will go seven and nine. I think they will go more like nine and seven. I think they will be a pretty decent team. Because with these rankings, because the Brown, uh, there's a lot of Cleveland Brown players on these on these pro football focus rankings. Uh, their supporting cast, their team is being ranked very highly, but on paper it doesn't mean nothing. We gotta go out. We we gotta. They gotta go out there, and we have to see what they do. We gotta see results. But Bleach Report. It ranked the Browns' offense. It ranked the Browns' supporting cast. It went as second in the league to Kansas City. Kansas City's pretty good. Like, they just won the Super Bowl. Okay? Pro football focus. They ranked Miles Garrett high. They ranked uh, Olivier Vernon high. They ranked Nick Chubb high. So, there should be no, like, that's what I'm saying. This is a make or break. I feel like this is a make or break year for Baker Mayfield. Now, I do, like I said, I think he have a better year this year. I think the Browns overall will have a better year this year because I feel like they got better leadership. They have better leadership on Kevin Stefanski. I feel like Kevin Stefanski, he brings more structure because with, with his system, I know he's going he's gonna to fully take advantage of the great running backs that he have. He's going to take advantage of having Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. He's also going to use Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and David Njoku and Austin Hooper, but he's going to he's going to he's going to use those running backs. If I know anything about Kevin Stefanski and what he's been doing in Minnesota, especially last year, I know he's going to use he's going to utilize the running backs, and the Browns have two good ones. So this is what I'm, this is why I'm saying. This is a make or break year for Baker. If Baker can't win eight or nine games with this team, and more so nine games, like if he can't go nine and seven, like like if he can't go nine and seven with these pieces, something is wrong. Something is wrong if he can't go nine and seven with these people, with these pieces, with this supporting cast. They 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 gave him a better O line. Look at this. Check this out. And this and this is what people this is what this is what some of these sites, this is what some people think about Baker. With this team, you know, this team is very highly ranked on paper. But they got the Browns at eight and a half wins. What does that say about Baker? But look at a guy like Drew Brees. Drew Brees is 41 years of age. He's not mobile. He's not athletic. His arm strength doesn't have any. Like it, it, he lacks arm strength. Don't he doesn't throw deep ball. He doesn't throw the three, the deep ball. He can't stretch the defense. But the Saints are at ten and a half wins. And offensively, I mean, I know that he has Michael Michael Thomas. The Saints got a pretty good old line. They got Alvin Kamara and then Emmanuel Sanders. But I mean, is the Saints offense like? It, like, is the Saints supporting cast as good as the Browns supporting cast? Hmm. I don't think so. Browns got two good running backs. They got two good, really dynamic receivers. They got two really dynamic running backs. <laughs> they have an improved offensive line. Uh, I, I 
think the Browns have better offense. But I think the Saints will definitely be better. But it shows you how they feel or, or how certain people think of Baker, which I've been spot on. I've been spot on about it. I've been spot on. It's pro- the proof is in pudding. I've been spot on about this whole Baker Mayfield thing, but I do think they win nine games. And they go nine and seven. And Baker have a better year than he had last year. I'm not saying he's going to be an MVP. I'm not saying he's going to be a world beater. But he'll have a better year than what he had last year. That's how I feel about it. I think he have a better year than he had last year. Simple as that. After this quick break, I'm going to give you guys my NBA topic. We're going to to dive in into my NBA topic that I have. Uh, It's about some of you you guys' favorite players. Um, Yeah. Second half, <clears throat> second half of the pod, if you're still here. If you're still here, welcome to the second half of the pod. <clears throat> you made it to our NBA topic, or my NBA topic. So earlier uh, this week, or a report I saw, James Harden. Daryl Morey came out and said, hey, he felt like he left James Harden down. Daryl Morey says he felt like he left James Harden down. And you know what I say to that? Um, no. Daryl Morey, he came out and said, he said, you know, throughout, his, throughout James Harden time in Houston, his prime in Houston, where he, he, you know, he's just been not able to put the correct pieces in front of, you know, with James Harden to win a championship. He said, uh, hey, I've been letting James Harden down. And, I mean, one can make the argument, yeah, but I think it's a bigger attest to what I was saying uh, a couple weeks ago about James Harden. James Harden, it, he, he, he is who he is. And I, I, I feel like James, he, you know, Daryl Moore tomorrow, he let James Harden down. I feel like James Harden have let us <laughs> down <laughs> because every year, we uh we harden you know it seems like these last especially these last few years in Houston where where Dan Tony because we can all I think we can all agree that Harden's a great scorer but Dan Tony and him playing in Dan Tony's system definitely like boosts his numbers like a little bit like he averages he averages thirty six a game thirty six and a half points per game Dan Tony certainly boosts that. Usually, Harden. I mean, if 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 Harden wasn't coached by Dan Tony, he'd probably still be averaging like thirty, but not thirty six and a half points per game. But with Harden, I feel like he has often let us down, the media down, in playoff and pressure moments. He's let you down, and he is who he is. That's all. That's what. That's what I. That's exact. This is the exact same thing I said about James Harden a couple weeks ago. Um, when I mentioned the fact that he was left off the call. James Harden, he is who he is. 
He'd go down as a great all-time, a top 10 all-time scorer. Uh, the, 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 the way how he's going, he's uh, probably going to finish within the top 10 of all-time scoring. But he'd just be remembered as a great scorer. But his style, his style of play, stylistically, does not work in the postseason. And, you know, a lot of people, I, you know, I don't think get into these these debates and these conversations with people and listeners of the pod. Like, oh, you're too hard on Harden. You're too hard on Westbrook. And you give LeBron too much credit. I'm like, first, I don't give anybody credit. I'm not 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 Navy Federal. But I don't give any, I don't try, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm lenient. I'm very lenient with that. But when people say, oh, you're too hard on Harden. You're too hard on Westbrook. Well, no. I mean, it's the simple fact. They're, yes, they're dynamic athletes, uh, more so Westbrook. Harden is a great scorer, but he's his his isolation game, like the 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 you know the ball centric isolation play, it does not work in the playoffs. It doesn't. It doesn't work in the playoffs. He's a, he's going to be an all time great scorer. He was a little underrated. Don't you know some of his years in OKC? He was a little underrated. As a you know, as a guy that was coming off the bench, but with Houston, he's a superstar. But his style does not work in the postseason. And you don't believe me? What about this? San Antonio, 2017, Game Six. He only made two buckets. He only made two field goals and attempted 11 shots. It's like he damn near quit. He quit the game. The Clippers series. The Clippers series back in 2015. The Clippers. I mean, the, the you know the Rockets can't. They won that series against the Clippers, that second round series. But the the Rockets made a huge comeback without Harden because he was shooting so poorly and he was turning over the ball. He, I mean, you can go back two years ago versus Golden State, three up three two. They go back home. They got go. They got their foot on Golden State neck, the champions neck. This is the dynasty we're talking about. He, he he couldn't close the deal. He couldn't seal the deal. He couldn't seal the deal. So when people say, "Oh, you're, you're too hard on," no, it's the truth. He, I mean, twenty-seven straight threes missed, and it wasn't all hard. But he was the catalyst. He was the guy. He's the star. He feels to stop the bleeding. But it's as simple as that. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. Ball-centric style. That that ball-centric style thing. That Westbrook tries to play and Harden tries to play. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And and I always said it. I always I always been I always been saying this about Harden. Due to his lack of athleticism in his play style in the regular season, he relies to get to, he relies to get on getting to the free throw line quite often. And a good number of his points come from by way the free throw line, but in the playoffs and postseason play, referees swallow their their whistle. They don't call the the tic tac Nikki. They don't call the fouls. They don't. They don't. They they swallow the whistle. They don't call the tic tac fouls that Harden usually gets. And, 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 you know, throughout the regular season, throughout regular season game number one and regular season game 82, he gets those calls. But once the playoffs arrive, he relies on getting to the free throw line. He lacks athleticism. And quite often, by the time if he makes it to the conference finals, by the time he makes it to the conference finals, the ball-centric offense that he plays 
doesn't work. And I feel like it's a lot of guys like that. And, you know, and, you know I've been hearing, oh, it's a lot of pressure on LeBron. It's a lot of pressure on Kawhi. And I'm like, well, more so LeBron. I'm like, oh, there's no pressure on LeBron. I know what I'm going to get from LeBron. But I feel like there's a lot of pressure on guys like Giannis and Harden and Paul George and Westbrook and AD and Embiid and Carpenter Towns. Like, I always, I always talked about this. You can go back and look at it. Um, you can go back and listen to, uh, you know, episodes way back. But they all, the NBA always comes out with this survey. They always come out with this survey where, you know, they, they ask executives around the league and they ask the, the executives around the league and they say, hey, if you, have, if you had to build your team around one player, who would you build your team? Who would you start your team around? And, they, and you know, mo- most of the NBA executives say, Carl Anthony Towns and Embiid and AD and Giannis and Westman Harden. They, they say all these names. And, you know, they, you know a, a, a few smart ones say LeBron. But they all, most of them just about, most of them just about say a big. And I don't know why they say a big because, like, it, it's not a big league. It's, this is a guard wing league. So I don't know why they continue to say centers name. They, they named centers that they were built around. But I'm like, you know, no, no centers, no, no centers. But I look at guys like, uh, you know, Paul George and Harden and Westbrook, and we say they're great. They're great talents and they're great athletes and they're great stars and they put up great numbers. But there's always a but. There's, there's always a but. Oh, yeah, Westbrook can't get out the first round. Or Paul George. Like, Paul George is a great scorer. He's a great two-way player, but he can't win the postseason. Harden, great score. Isolation. But there's always a but with some with these stars that you guys just uh that you guys just romanticize over. Like you guys love Harden. You guys love Westbrook. You love Paul George. You love you love all these guys. You love AD. I like AD. And I mean, I mean I like AD. I like Anthony Davis. But Anthony Davis, we always say, oh, he's such a great player. And he is. He is. I I I've said on this on this on this platform. Anthony Davis is a tremendous, he's an athletic, this is how much I like Anthony Davis. He's an athletic Tim Duncan that can shoot. He's an athletic Tim Duncan that can shoot. Tim Duncan is a, like a, he's a top 10 player of all time. And he's a Hall of Famer. So like, you know, I give Anthony Davis his just due. But Anthony Davis has been in this league for eight years. He's been in this league for eight years. He has one playoff victory. He has one playoff series win. One, he has one single playoff series win. I know you, you can say New Orleans, you can say Western Conference, you can say all those things, but I mean, it is one playoff series win in eight years. And now everybody's like, oh, AD's so great. Well, he plays with LeBron now. He, play, he plays with LeBron. LeBron's feeding him the ball. He goes up and get it. I mean, it's nothing wrong with that. It's nothing wrong. And I, I, and I like I said, I like AD. I like AD. I really like AD. But... You know, we always say, oh, he's great, and he's long, and he's athletic, and he can block shots, and he's a two-way guy. But he only has one playoff series win. And then, you know, look at guys like Paul George. You're like, oh, Paul George is good. He's a really good two-way guy. He's one of the better two-way wing players. He can score. He's so smooth. But um, he hasn't won a playoff series since 2014. So that, that or 2015. That's so. That's the problem. That's and that's the problem that I'm having with uh, some of these stars. And that's why, like Giannis, 
you know, I hear all the hoopla about Giannis, and I hear how he's the MVP and how he's the best player in the league. But um, yeah, like this is the time. This is like this is Giannis' time to get out of the Eastern Conference. I know it. The, 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 I know the circumstances are a little bit. Uh, uh, they're not. They're not normal. Circumstances are not normal. We right now the season would the season would be over by this time. Would be close to being over. The finals would have concluded or being close to con- concluding. So you, know, you could say, oh, Giannis. Um, Eastern. You could say all these things in different circumstances. But Giannis, there's no LeBron in the Eastern Conference. There's no Kawhi in the Eastern Conference. They're, 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 Kevin Durant is hurt. So you have you you. I mean, the Eastern Conference. Who's the second best player in the Eastern Conference? Who's the, who? Like, because we know Giannis is the best player in the Eastern Conference. But who's the second best player in the Eastern Conference? I don't think we can name a. We can't definitively name a second best player in the Eastern Conference. We don't know if it's Embiid. We don't know if it's Tatum. We don't know if it's Jimmy Butler. We don't know if it's Victor. We don't. We don't know who it is. We don't. We don't. We don't know who it is. So there's no excuse why Giannis can't get out of the Eastern Conference. He has a bench. He got coach, an all-star teammate, and, and Chris Middleton. You can say what you want, and I've been hard on. I've been skeptical of Chris Middleton as well. But you can say what you want. He's an all-star level player. He's an all-star teammate. So, you know, I think there's more pressure on Giannis. There's a lot, there's a lot of pressure on Giannis. There's a lot of pressure on, on Harden because you know we, we always all oh, we Harden just can't. That's who he is. I feel like that. I feel like we know who Harden is. Now with Giannis, this is this is Giannis' time. This is Giannis' peak opportunity to get to the finals out of the Eastern Conference. This is this this is his, this is his time right here. You, you you have no LeBron is out west. Kawhi is out west. KD is hurt. Who's in your way? I mean, I like Jason Tatum. I, I like Tatum in the Celtics. But I mean, if Giannis, if, if you got if if Giannis say, if y'all say Giannis is all all of this, because I think he's good, but like some people call Giannis the best player in basketball, and I'm like, whoa, pump your brakes. But people call people call Giannis the best basketball player in the world. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, I don't see that. He got he got he got got shut down, locked up <laughs> against Kawhi. So I, I you know, yeah, I'm sure Giannis is a good guy, but I mean, let's slow down on the hyperbole. Because if you know, looking at a guy like Tatum, like Tatum may be the second best player in the Eastern Conference. No disrespect to Tatum and the Celtics, because I like Tatum and I like the Celtics. I like their team and I like Brad Stevens. But I mean, if Giannis, if y'all say Giannis is all this, then he can, he should be able to beat the Celtics, right? He should be able to beat the Celtics. So you know, I, I just feel like we um we typically we uh. We, we we give too many of these stars, especially in the NBA. Not always say this. I think it's because we we see them a lot. We follow them on social media. You see them on commercials. You go into the stores. You buy their shoes. You 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 it's almost you are emotionally, you are psychologically, you are financially invested into these stars. So I mean, I can see how you would defend them. But it's just concrete facts. Wesley Westbrook, I, I mean, I get so much people. I, get, I have so many people telling me that I'm so wrong about Wesley Westbrook. But I'm like, I like Westbrook. I mean, I, I love his motor. I love his competitiveness. I love his drive. 
the one thing I can say about Westbrook that um that you can't say about a lot of these stars is <clears throat> Kawhi. Um, that you can't, <laughs> that you can't say, but the one thing you can't say about Westbrook is this, he comes out and he's going to play all out every night. I give him that. He's going to bring it every single night, no matter who's on the floor. It's Kawhi LeBron. Doesn't matter who's on the floor. He's going to bring it every single night. But, um, his, his, like just his style of play. Him lacking a jump shot, him cons- him lacking a consistent and efficient jump shot, it hurts him. It hurts him. It, it, it hurts him. It does not help Westbrook in the playoffs. And I have so many people go, oh, you're so wrong. Bro. No, I'm not. I'm right. He has the lowest three-point percentage in league history, in postseason history. He has, look it up. He has the, he has the lowest three-point percentage in league and postseason history. Simple as that. You know, I I like I like Westbrook's motor. I like I, you know I, he's very dynamic, and even with all the injuries that he's dealt with, and as he is as he advanced in age, he's still very athletic and dynamic. But um, he you know it's just his style doesn't win you championships. It's not gonna win you championships. He's not gonna win you a championship as a as your best player with his style of play. And the same goes for Harden. The same goes for Harden, and I think the um, the NBA, you know, I, you know, they they expanded, they're you know they bring they bringing in two, six more teams, so that's twenty two teams in all. I've already touched bases on this about how I feel about it and what I thought I what I thought they should have done with the I thought they should have kept the sixteen teams, don't bring more teams, don't bring more players. And now there's some reports that players aren't like they don't they're not they're not invested. They are they're, they're still stuck. Carmelo Anthony came out and said, "Hey, I, I'm still I'm still in the des- deciding factor whether or not I'm going." There's some players that are contemplating whether they should play or not because they they've been on lockdown for most of the time, you know, quarantine lifestyle, COVID nineteen. Then you know they got You're telling them they gotta go to Orlando. They gotta stay isolated within a bubble, and they have to leave their families. They gotta go to Orlando. Some of these teams, some of these players, I don't even think psychologically they're there because of the state of the country and what's going on. Uh, now guys like LeBron, Kawhi, Chris Paul, guys like guys of that sort. Of course, they want to play because they have something to play for. They're, they're, you know, LeBron's, you know, trying to add more titles. Kawhi's trying to add more titles. You know, there's some guys that's out there that's trying to get their first title, but some of these players aren't as, they're not as committed because, and it's not a bad thing, but they're not as sold on the on the on going to Orlando, staying isolated, playing games, getting in shape. Actually, first they have to get in shape. Then they gotta go to Orlando, play eight regular season games, and then possibly play more games. And it's only a two month thing, two to three month thing. Ah, uh, NBA. Some I get why some players are skeptical about the idea. And you know, there's some report. There's other reports saying that the players feel like they haven't been heard. Their voices weren't heard. And I mean, it, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like, well, they, the the league is only on. They're gonna call the top guys, LeBron, Kawhi. That you know, they're not gonna check on that role players bench. They're not gonna do that. They're just not gonna do that. 
And they added, and you know, this is another thing I thought about that, that I thought about. The NBA added 22 teams so they can get Zion and the Pelicans into the playoffs because Zion is such an attractable figure and he's such a, he, and he, he draws a big crowd. But throughout this quarantine or whatever, throughout COVID-19, since late March, has anybody seen what Zion Williamson look like? Like, I mean, because he, he, he already wasn't in the best shape. So, like, have we seen, like, I don't, I mean, what, what has he been doing since, since the NBA went on its break? Would it, like, have anybody seen him? I think, I think that's the big part that I think everybody's missing. Yeah, they, they have some time to get back in shape. But Zion was already behind the eight ball when he came back. He wasn't in the best shape. And we all, we all acknowledge that. He wasn't in the best shape. But has anybody, has anybody seen Zion? It, like any paparazzi, any camera? Have we caught what Zion looks like? Do we know what kind of shape he's in? I mean, he could have been just—he could have just been sitting around eating donuts. We don't—we don't know. We don't—we don't know. So, with the NBA trying to bring the Pelicans into the playoffs and Zion, I mean, what, what, what Zion am I getting? I don't—I don't know. And I, you know, I like Zion, but I mean, what 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 what, what, what Zion are we getting? What 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 Zion are we getting? Have anybody like is is there any cameras? Anybody on social media had 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 they had they spotted him? I know he got a little legal dispute going on with Duke and Nike. I know that's that that that's that's big. But do we know what this guy looks like? He could be three hundred pounds down damn near, and we don't even know it. I seen Jokic get skinnier, but I mean we don't we don't even know it. But we the NBA had to come back. That you know whether it be twenty two teams. 16 teams, 14, they had to come back because if, 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 the, if the NBA didn't come back and they just said, hey, we're not going to finish the season, the owners would have had the, the owners would have first, that, the collective bargaining agreement would have been thrown out the window because players, because the salary cap going into next year would just be so much of a pain. Most, just about most of the teams in the league would be over the salary cap and paying the luxury tax. So if you don't know, the, if you don't know those like the luxury tax, the luxury tax is what NBA teams pay once they get over the salary cap. And that's, and that's why, and that's the, that's the, that's the distinct difference between the NFL salary cap and the NBA salary cap. The NFL salary cap is a hard cap. You can't go over it. Um, there's, there, there's, there's many restrictions with the NBA salary cap, there's an actual salary cap, but it's much more flexible. It's ways to get around. Um, it's ways to get around certain contracts in the NBA, and the money's guaranteed, obviously. But it's ways to get around the, the, the contracts and the salary cap in the NBA. But if you go past the salary cap, owners have to pay the luxury tax because they're going above the salary cap. So, if you didn't know, that's what that is. That's what the luxury tax is. And that's why the NBA salary cap is just way much more flexible and, you know, has less restrictions than the NFL salary cap. But 
the collective bargaining, the, the collective bargaining agreement would have been thrown out the window. So you're talking about next year, next season being in jeopardy because they will have to come up. The player association owners will have to come up with an agreement. But you know, who knows what who knows what that would have looked like. So they got the NBA back. They brought it back. They brought back uh, the, the the regular playoff teams, and then added six more teams. Five were was from the Western Conference. Only one Eastern Conference team made it, which which was the Wizards. Um, so yeah, we got into a lot today. Uh, let's close it out positive. So Reggie Bush, Reggie Bush, this is big news. Reggie Bush returns back to USC. And uh, if you did not know about that whole situation with Reggie Bush and USC, the NCAA had sanctions. They had in sanctions. Um. On, 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 you know, on on Reggie Bush and USC, it, the, the the sanctions that the NCAA put down on on USC was totally outrageous. It was uh, they lost they lost like thirty scholarships, uh, forty they they took away forty wins, uh, due to because just all because Reggie Bush's parents was in a house and they weren't paying rent and. It, 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 it it's crazy. It, that, that that whole story, that whole case, the whole Reggie Bush story at USC is crazy. But it made me thought. It made me think how how dominant USC was with Reggie Bush. And uh, it, 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 like if I had, if you had a map, if you had a map or whatever, I always talk in college football. I always talk about the geographical dominance that uh, that that the, that college football has. If you were to list, if you were to name every team going into the college football season that had like a legitimate, like a like a like clearly a legitimate shot at winning a national title this upcoming year, I would name those teams for you: Clemson, Alabama, LSU, Florida, Georgia, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State, maybe Notre Dame. So you got two schools up north, nearly in the same region, but then every other school is like down below in the it, it, in the south. Uh, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Auburn, LSU. Auburn's going to be pretty good this year, and Florida is going to be pretty good this year. And then uh, Georgia, you know, LSU, Clemson, Oklahoma. Those are the, like those are those are practically all the schools that. That legitimately have a have a shot to win the national title. Michigan Tech, no, they're not, they're not going to win the national title. I'm sorry, unless something crazy happens. That's those are the schools that's going to end up. One of those schools that I named is going to end up winning the national title this upcoming year. But it just made me think how dominant and how glamorous Reggie Bush was as a college football player. I think in my lifetime, I think Reggie Bush is probably the most glamorous uh, college football player ever in my lifetime and in my lifetime i think reggie bush is the most glamorous college football player of all time ever in my eyes because he was in a big city because look at like if you think about it most of these college football powers are in small towns georgia alabama tuscaloosa clemson Notre dame ohio state like in small towns, and in, in they're in the South mainly. UC, USC was in LA. It's like 
right right in the center of L.A. He he he. he I mean, he totally grasped. He took over L.A. And you know, I, you know, it, it, teams like USC. That's what I'm saying. College football would be much better if USC or the Miami Hurricanes was better. If the Miami Hurricanes were in national title contention, or if USC was in national title contention, college football would be so much better. Because if you look out west, as far as college football, it is dead. It is completely dead. It is completely dead. Nobody has a shot out there but Oregon. Oregon, they, they, Oregon has a pretty good team. I don't know who their quarterback is, but outside of that, nobody, nobody out west has a chance. Once you get past Oklahoma, nobody has a shot. No, nobody has a shot. And I just think USC would be, it would bring so much uh, entertainment value, so much interest. Like Alabama, the great, Nick Saban's great at Alabama. And, I, you know, I can't take nothing away for what he's been doing at Alabama for like the last, what, like 12 years, last 11, 12 years. You can't take that away from him. But, I mean, if you, I mean, if you look at like, they're not interesting. They're not interesting at all. They're, I mean, they're not. They don't. They don't. They don't bring like a cool factor or a swagger factor. Alabama doesn't have that. I mean, Clemson. They're not as boring. I like their quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. That they like their quarterbacks over the last few years. I've liked Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence. But outside of that, it's about Dabo Sweeney and. Clemson and it's a small town and it's not as interesting and I'm in the interesting business I'm in the entertainment business that's what I'm all about so I don't uh, it's not as entertaining it's not as interesting and with USC the dynamic of USC and LA and then Reggie Bush and his wow factor his excitement factor that he brought to the game and his play style as a player as a running back um, I think that I think college football is missing that it's certainly missing that. I feel like it's certainly missing that. Um, but I, without further ado, that's gonna wrap it up, y'all. We did a good. We we did. We had a good run today. We had a good run today. Excuse outside the noise outside. Yeah, but um, we had a good run today. This is a good part. This is a really good part. Um, NBA is coming back. Uh, I think there's some upside for baseball. I know beginning of the pod, I said uh, baseball a little shaky, but uh, you know as the pod went on, I got more updates on my phone and whatever. It seems like baseball is a go. It seems like baseball is a go, and um, it, it, it it's gonna happen. It may it, it may very well happen. Um, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the NBA season. NBA season coming back late July. They bumped it up from July the 31st to July 30th. Um, so we we'll see what happens and what what you know what what happens with the NBA. What players don't play? What players do play? Uh, big college football happening, NFL football happening. But uh, I'm gonna let you guys go. I'm gonna let you guys go. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to another episode of the IKP Isaiah K Podcast, episode 128. This is 128, episode 128. Uh, one year anniversary coming up in July, early July coming up. We're going to have the one year anniversary of the podcast. One cho- uh, always remember two choices, one decision. I'm out. Thank you guys for listening. Once again, deuces.